0: Hello, this is Stacy Stewart, and today we'll be mapping maternity care deserts on the 15-minute matrix.
1: Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it causes us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care today on the 15-minute matrix i'll be talking with stacy stewart stacy stewart joined march of dimes as its fifth president and ceo on january 1st 2017. In this role, Stacy heads the organization leading the fight for the health of all moms and babies. She's responsible for all aspects of the organization's strategy, vision, and operations. Stacy came to March of Dimes from United Way Worldwide, where she held several positions, most recently serving as U.S. President of United Way, the nation's largest nonprofit organization. There, Stacy was responsible for United Way's national efforts in education, financial stability, and health. Stacy spearheaded the transformation of United Way from a pass-through fundraiser to a leading organization for local community impact. And Stacy comes to this impressive work with a Master's of Business Administration and Finance from the University of Michigan and a Bachelor of Arts in Economics from Georgetown University. Like I said, an impressive history for sure. And I'm so eager to share her wisdom with you today. Stacy, welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. I'm so pleased to have you here. Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So I often find that people are surprised when they learn that in the U.S. we're facing a maternal and infant health crisis and that the U.S. remains among the most dangerous developed nations for a woman to give birth. In the recent report published by the March of Dimes called Nowhere to Go Maternity Care Deserts Across the U.S., you spoke into in your introduction some of the stats related to this health crisis. Can you share some of those numbers with us now? Sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, first let me just say that the March Dimes uh, fights for the health of all moms and babies We're one of the leading nonprofit organizations focused on the issue of maternal health and infant health. And in approaching this work and addressing this issue that you mentioned around this maternal health crisis that we're facing in the country, actually also, an, I think, an infant health crisis that we're facing as well, we've looked at a lot of issues that are some of the contributing issues and factors uh, leading to the U.S. being, as you mentioned, uh, among the most dangerous developed nation Which, to give birth, um, one of the issues that we looked at was in this report called Nowhere to Go is really just access to care, mm-hmm. not, not, in the, not in terms of whether or not women have insurance. That is really a whole other issue and is an even more complicating issue. Uh, about insurance coverage and access to to affordability of care. This is just looking at the issue of access. Can I even get to a provider close to me if and when I'm ready to give birth? And this report really looked at this issue of maternity care deserts. These are counties in the country that essentially have no access to care, really have a hospital that offers no obstetric services, no OBGYN, no certified nurse midwife, and no birthing center. And what we found is that in about 35% of all counties in the country affecting about 2.2 million women of childbearing age, 35% of these counties are considered maternity care deserts. And then in about 54% of all counties, they're either fully maternity care deserts or have very limited access to care. And that affects about 7 million women of childbearing age. And so what we what we know is that you know even if a woman does have access to care uh, in terms of affordability insurance private insurance or is covered by Medicaid even getting to a doctor for prenatal visits or getting to uh, a birthing center or even a hospital especially if she's a high risk patient could be very very challenging sometimes women may have to travel up to 50 miles or more just wow. to even Uh, at the time of delivery, which, as you can imagine, and I know a lot of folks in your audience can imagine, uh, can really threaten the life of that woman and potentially the baby as well. And, And so in doing this report, it really helps us understand at least one major factor of why the U.S. has some of the worst outcomes for moms and babies of any industrialized country in the world.
1: Yeah, you're bringing a big why to knowing that information. We don't really understand the complexities of it and what you illuminated is part of the complexity. Of course we can look at numbers and stats, but these are women and babies. Who are the communities most impacted by this health crisis or this gap that we have in healthcare?
0: Yes, and and I think it's also important when we look at this the, to acknowledge that You know, this is happening in communities all around the country. Uh, About two-thirds of all the maternity care deserts are located in rural areas, but there are some in urban areas as well. And so it's not necessarily true that an urban environment equates to better care. There are about 3.3 million women living in urban counties, but many of them still lack full access to maternity care. And we also know that in this country, we have uh, a lot of disproportionate impact being born by women of color. Right. So black women are three to four times more likely to die as a result of pregnancy related mm-hmm. complications. We still have black babies that are twice as likely to die before their first birthday. So when we look at all of the issues facing moms and babies, we're looking at a multi-layered challenge that goes from health coverage and affordability, healthcare access, Uh, But also then a range of other issues that are around society, societal impacts, environmental impacts, economic impacts uh, that just further complicate the challenges that, that moms and babies face.
1: You mentioned environmental and societal impacts, and I'm curious about education as well. Are there any specifics related to those impacts that you can illuminate for us? Well, you know, what's interesting is, and we didn't really look at
0: education per se in this study. You know, we are at the March Times looking at the issue of access to income and financial stability. Right. um, And as it relates to maternal and infant care, I, I would say, though, that when you look at where a lot of these maternity care deserts are, they are in places where there is a high correlation to poverty level. Right. And and of course, that can, an underlying issue around that can be a lack of access to high quality education. So, and you know, these things all go together. I mean, one of the things that we know about health and wellness is that the majority of our health and wellness is not determined in the doctor's office. It's really determined in how we live, um, our access to resources, uh, whether or not we live in environmentally safe communities, in housing that's affordable and decent and safe, whether or not we have high levels of stress and anxiety that we're facing for any number of reasons. And those are all far more impactful on our overall health. And what we know is that a lot of the issues that women face, especially women of color in this country face because of the, the environment, the conditions in which they live, Notwithstanding the issue around racism and discrimination, which of course is another issue that many many women of color face in the impact of that, that all of that ultimately impacts whether or not moms can successfully navigate pregnancy, right, um, and their, and even preserve their health before, during and after pregnancy, and and can even determine the health of their baby as well.
1: Yeah, that's the education that I think is so critical. How do we get to these communities and help women to understand what they do have access to, where they could change their home care in some way that makes sense in their environment. And the reason I'm bringing that up, Stacy, is because, like I said, I'm always talking about the gaps that exist in medicine and how we need new kinds of practitioners to fill those gaps. As the report mentions, you talk about doulas and midwives, and I really think there should be more community health advocates like there are in other parts of the world where people can go in and provide education and support and care in ways that aren't necessarily the medical intervention, but are still the support that people need. And I find that so many people are fearful about filling this gap, that we are so bought into the medical model alone, that there's a lot of fear about doing any kind of community support education. And what, this report illuminated for me is how critical it is that we just start to get in there and get into all communities. And we can look at deserts in all sorts of ways. This is looking at a particular desert. So just to get off my soapbox here, what you're illuminating is the need for us to spread our wings and start thinking about healthcare differently than medicine alone. And and working in conjunction
0: with medicine in a complementary fashion, right? Absolutely. You're exactly right. I mean, I think even during this pandemic, we're finding that we're forcing ourselves into, and we need to, be looking at other models of care and the additional layers of care that women need. There's no question about it. You're exactly right. And, And it's why at the March Dimes, we have been strongly in support of expanding access to midwifery care and further integrating midwives Um, into a model of care around maternity care in in all states. We have been strongly in support of doula care and expanding access to doulas. Um, The fear around these kinds of models is really unfounded. There's enough evidence, enough research to show that when a lot of these other kinds of birthing providers are available to women and are affordable to women, they can actually improve outcomes for moms and babies we know that, but you know, in many cases in this country, what we haven't done is provide uh, a ready form of reimbursement for many of these providers, and and that is limited their you know women's access to them. And so, we we definitely think that we need to remake our models of payment um, and reimbursement so that we can actually create an industry of these uh, other birthing care providers that are really can be really important. The other thing is that. Again, we looked at care, but I think a lot of people don't realize that over 40% of all births in this country are covered by Medicaid. Hmm. And in states that have expanded Medicaid, we have seen improved outcomes for moms and for babies. Not all states have improved, have expanded Medicaid. When we look at some of where these maternity care deserts, it's not surprising that they also, many of them happen to be in a lot of states that have not expanded Medicaid. So that just leaves those women in those rural areas and southern states, many southern states and midwestern states without the kind of care that they need. But we do need to look at other forms of care and and, and expand um, the affordability of care as well. And not just for the 60 days that a woman may get covered by Medicaid to deliver a baby. In some cases, women, if they have chronic health conditions, need expanded care. And we're really pleased to see in Congress and in some states, they're already taking some action to expand Medicaid coverage to up to one year, which is another big issue that we're advocating for. But even issues like evidence-based telehealth services right. for pregnant and postpartum yes. women, those need to be available. And we need to, again address the digital divide that exists in so many rural areas mm. and even some urban areas so that women do have access, just like we need access for our kids to learn on digital with the distance learning. We need, we need that kind of digital access for women to be healthy as well and, and really families in general.
1: Yeah, and there's so many different stages. As you mentioned, there are different times in the maternal cycle, and this brings me back to that access to care and besides insurance, there's ways that we can offer offer support for people to understand preconception care and what to be watching out for and how to mitigate things with diet and lifestyle, through pregnancy of course the situations may not be ideal there may be trauma in the home in the community and yet we can still provide support and care throughout in the research was there anything related to different cycles in maternal care that you discovered you spoke about you know insurance during the birth process alone but what about preconception pregnancy postpartum issues yeah. did anything come up in the research well in in our research
0: in general the margin dynamics, we've been very focused on looking at a total lifespan of a woman's health pre-pregnancy during pregnancy and postpartum that if we want to address some of these health outcomes that actually show up at the time of pregnancy or childbirth we actually need to look far more upstream and look at the health of women. We know that women who have chronic health conditions don't have access to good nutrition and access and, you know, have um, lifestyles that are far too stressful with too much anxiety where they don't have access to other resources to live healthy, decent lives. It becomes very, very challenging for them to maintain good health. And so then by the time they're pregnant and about to deliver their baby, some of those already existing underlying health conditions can be exacerbated because of the pregnancy and because of childbirth. So we actually strongly support making sure that we focus first on women's health, irrespective of whether or not they have a baby or not. But certainly if they choose to have a baby and when they're ready to have one, that they have all the health care that they need to get their health as um, optimized as possible before the baby, before they're pregnant, and, and make sure that their body is really able to really handle all of these issues. And I think the last thing I just want to mention is talk a lot about physical health, but we also know that mental health
1: plays a
0: huge role in all of this. And so what we're finding is that, especially during this pandemic, the mental health crisis that that has existed before COVID and now is only made worse is also further complicating birth outcomes as well. So we just have to really take a very holistic approach. And I do think there are other countries and industrialized countries that have really, really um, ha- had a much more holistic and comprehensive approach to this, to this, um, these issues of maternal infant health, that, you know, they're actually seeing the benefit of some of those outcomes, even to the point of policy solutions like paid family leave so that women don't have to feel unusually stressed or compromised in being able to take care of their family because they have to go back to work too soon, right? And they can't then breastfeed and they can't then really manage their own health because they have to be back at work and they don't have access to adequate childcare and affordable childcare. You know, exactly. this country really has failed women and families in so many ways that I think we, we're, that's why we launched out this report, something called Blanket Change, which is a holistic policy approach to not with just one policy solution, but a whole set of policy solutions to really try to turn this whole situation around. And we we really are encouraging people to get involved with March of Dimes and Blanket Change and advocate for people running for office in November to take a stand for moms and babies and really stand behind some of these policies that we think can correct the situation that we find ourselves in today.
1: So brilliantly shared, Stacey. We will make sure to link to the report we were talking about and to any information about blanket change. I have one last question for you, and this is a bit more personal because I'm just feeling really moved by this topic and how it relates to what I've been talking about, about filling a gap in healthcare. As a clinician who has the opportunity to train thousands of clinicians, what can I do? How can I help? Where do we start to volunteer or get involved? And I don't know if you have any ideas, but I'm all ears. Well, I think, you know, the transformation of
0: our system of care isn't, is not is not going to happen unless we have clinicians deeply involved. And we want to rely on clinicians' expertise and, and experience to sort of think about how we reshape the system that serves, or in this case, fails to serve so many women and, and families. And I think, you know, I think part of it is recognizing when things are broken that we need to maybe try things a different way. And trying things the same way uh, is just kind of a form of insanity. Yes. um, Because it's not going to get us better results if we just keep doing the same thing. Um, I think it really requires some courage Mm -hmm. um, from all clinicians to actually look at the data and really determine whether or not we're satisfied with the results we're seeing in some of these states. And there are things like the Maternal Mortality Review Committees that are being started in different states. The March of Dimes issues a report card every November, which we'll be looking at State by state, giving grades to different states um, based on premature birth rates, we'll be looking at access to care from maternal health, things like that. And and I think it is useful to have a conversation with a range, not just those in the healthcare profession, but really, you know, community leaders and elected officials to say what can we do together Mm -hmm. um, to actually change these outcomes. That's certainly something that Marjorie Dimes is doing: is convening lots of different partners across sectors. To have these conversations and to create plans for how to improve outcomes, uh, and I think we just need people to come to the table. And also recognize, I think the last thing I'll just say about this is that we have to also look at the fact that in our healthcare system, everyone, as we're seeing, you know, people in rural areas, for example, don't have the same access, and the same resources. We have to acknowledge in this country we have never provided adequate care to women and babies of color, ever. This it's never been that we've we've actually had a situation where women and babies of color have had the same access to care as others. And I think that's another big issue, which is Huge. why the March times Dimes is um, implemented implicit bias training mm. so that we can start to eliminate the barriers that we as professionals often have in place when we're kind of serving communities is that we see communities differently or we make judgments about communities and we just have to eliminate that kind of prejudgment so that we can actually just serve people in the way that they need so we just need everybody in this fight and i think it's um i think if we all team up together we can actually achieve a lot together as well
1: i agree thank you so much stacy thank you so much The 15 Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15 Minute Matrix is produced, mixed and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear next on the podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.